0: Welcome to Fact Schmacks. It's the podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My
1: name is Matt and I've got a story to tell you. And my name is Kev. I've got a story to interrupt. All right. Well, Kevin, why don't you get us started
0: here today on our seventh episode? Wow. Uh, yeah, like I know. Like a real thought, podcast. Kind of, but not really. Not quite. <laughs> Uh, But why don't you get us started here with our Facts Smacks game.
1: The old game of Facts Smacks. Which I'm no longer going to explain. (laughs) It's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Okay. (laughs) So um, I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube. Uh And I also read this book. Command and Con uh, command and control. Uh, I forget. I was the gonna say that was is. a video game. That wasn't a book. Command and Conquer. Yeah. Command <laughs> command and control was this book. Uh, it's really good. I can't remember the author right now. Uh, we'll let future Matt take care of that. Maybe. Probably <laughs> no, not. <laughs> no. But anyway. future Kevin wants to put it in the notes, he could do that. Um, I've got some interesting facts about nuclear war or like oh, nuclear right. weapons deterrence etc. Yep. Okay. Lay them on me. So. Contrary to popular belief, Mm. um, Canada, although not a nuclear power, at one point was developing alongside the Avro Arrow, a nuclear bomb capable of striking the Soviet Union. They had it pretty much all developed at Chalk River and eventually ended up scrapping it with the Arrow Project. It's not often talked about, but Hmm. recent declassified documents show that that is a thing
0: huh okay all right I huh okay hmm that's a really uh it's a head scratcher that's, huh? a, that's a head scratcher because boy there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of words in there that that are like oh that checks out like yeah Chalk River I know that's a big nuclear site okay yeah. or like an experimental nuclear site it right. was still is yeah that's no th- it still, still is. is yeah still oh, is wow. I know so people out. have worked there ah, um, hey uh, the, the guy we had a beer with his his wife is from there. Her her parents were scientists there. Okay, or are scientists
1: there. There's yeah. some interesting stories out of there. I could tell someday. Um, oh, not this day. Not this day. No, but like there is some historical things that I've looked up about that place. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, but carrying on, mm-hmm. our next fact is Megadeth. Megadeth, as we all know, is a band by Dave Mustaine who was a yeah. former guitarist for Metallica, was kind of ousted from Metallica, if you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, well, there's your bonus fact of the day. My bonus. You're oh, welcome. We uh-huh. So anyhow, Megadeth is a so term... Did Kirk Hammett replace him? Uh, I think so. Okay. But Megadeth was a term originally coined by the Rand Corporation to... Um, when they were talking about uh, potential casualties, they would yeah. give them in terms of mega deaths, a mega death being a million deaths.
0: Okay. That I believe a thousand percent, even though I've never heard of it, that just checks So That so checks out. Okay. And then, um, so if that's the, if that's the
1: one that you made up, I'm going to be so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my last fact or schmack we don't know at this point is the uh, B2 stealth bomber. Mm-hmm. can carry up to 16 nuclear bombs with a yield 75 times that of Hiroshima. Hmm. Like, that's a lot. That is a lot. So what do you think, Matt? Where are you wow, going to these... go? Do I get my hat trick today?
0: You, did, uh, you said you really wanted up your game, and you have. You've made these all just squeakers.
1: Huh. I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm not gonna lie. This is basically f- the only achievement I've had in middle age. So
0: if it's so, here's where I'm at. If the, the Megadeth Mega Death one, I've never heard of. So that totally, like, like I said, I'd be so impressed if you made that up. I would. I would yeah, <laughs> there's I, layers to des- that one, eh? <laughs> yeah, you deserve the hat. Um, but then the other ones all have like. Okay, well, I know uh, you know that kind of bomber can carry a nuclear bomb, but so can it carry 16 of them or is it only eight?
1: And is that the kind of is that where we're going? Well, I don't know, man. Like it, you've been pretty mm. good at guessing them, so I, I have had to up my game. Uh-huh. And how uh, and then, is my secret. And obviously the, uh, the the one with the chalk River, the Avro Arrow, that
0: there's a lot of real historical stuff in there mm-hmm. that you could have just glommed onto. I'm going to say it's the Avro Arrow one. I'm going to say it's the Canadian nuclear program one, is, the sh- is what you
1: made up. God damn it!
0: Yes! <laughs>
1: so, in my research, I didn't find anything... Uh, and my research is, like, basically me taking a dump and reading my phone. Sure. So, that's the research that goes into this show. So, in my research, I didn't find uh, anything that said Canada specifically had a nuclear program, but... Up until 1984, we were still um, hosting nuclear weapons for the Americans. I did not know that. Uh, Yeah, so some of our air bases, like there's one in uh, Goose Bay, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, something like that. And it was uh, home to uh, a—it was leased out to Strategic Air Command. We also um, have—they had these missiles that would—they were basically nukes for planes— And if if a wave of Soviet bombers was coming, they would fire these missiles in Canada, which would airburst and wipe out all these planes. So those Mm. were in Can so we did have nukes in Canada, they just weren't Canadian. Yeah. But uh, from what I understand we no longer have any nukes on our property.
0: I would I would think.
1: Yeah. Interesting fact also we had a broken arrow in British Columbia. Oh really? Yeah. Uh a um a SAC bomber uh, crashed into the mountains in BC and was carrying a live nuclear weapon. Oh,
0: and yeah. it obviously got recovered, right? It was recovered, yeah.
1: There was Which a they nuclear
0: right. There was a nuclear bomb off the coast of Tybee Island, I think. Um that where a a, a bomber was on a test run and and it was going down and they ditched their, they ditched the bomb in this like body of water, but then they were never able to recover it.
1: Yeah. There's one in
0: it sunk. Yeah. I think it's under like 10 feet of mud or something, but
1: yeah. And there's actually, (laughs) you read this book. There's a few of those actually, dude, you read that, read that book, command and control. I'll I'll try to think of the author. Maybe. Um, I probably won't remember for next episode because I have a memory of a goldfish, but if you find the book yeah. command and control, it's fascinating, the things that happen. Uh, did you ever hear the Damascus incident? The Damascus? No, I've, I've never heard of the Damascus incident. Damascus, uh, Arkansas, 1980, the year of the Rubik's Cube. Sure. The year of the Miracle on Ice. A nine uh-huh. megaton nuclear warhead in a missile silo. Yeah. Um, the missile silo exploded during maintenance. Not great. Ki- killed a guy ejected a nine-ton nuclear warhead 100 feet away from the silo in a ditch beside a road. Huh. Meanwhile, a young bubba, Bill Clinton, is Arkansas's governor at the time, and there was a Democratic convention going on in Arkansas, which was about an hour away, which would have been in the blast zone. Oh. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's in that book as well, and there's, there's a Just documentary. Just all the YFs. There's a documentary on it as well. Like some of the, the safeguards on these things were just, you know, a switch that if in a that crash, is, you know, if the wires this, mangled that and that's the,
0: thi- the the thing I wanted to say is, you know, the concern is this is the switch. It's not that like the bomb's going to get rattled hard enough that it would go off or something like that. That's not how those work mm. at all. Like there's there's a very specific set of circumstances that has to happen. For to it make to that become thing go critical, for,
1: for, yeah. But for it to become like a dirty bomb is is very easy. Like the the surrounding. Oh, explosives, if it blew apart. For the, sure. Yeah, if the explosives blew apart and, and sent all that stuff around, like it's still scattered. Yeah. Horrible, and you that, wouldn't want that either. Like, stuff like that happen, but in you could clean Pol- that. Iceland, I think, happened. There's a whole bunch of them. I'm sure more of them yeah. will come out because I'm a man of few facts. But again, at least in that scenario, you know, you can take, you can just like
0: you can just take the the soil and everything from that area and get rid of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's bad, but it's not the worst.
1: Yeah. You can't unincinerate people. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? And like reading some of this stuff, it's, it's amazing to me that there hasn't been an accidental uh, discharge of a nuclear weapon.
0: Oh, there's a really terrifying, there's a great uh, hardcore history episode about the whole nuclear um, program and just the history of nuclear war. And he uses this analogy that scares the hell out of me because it's essentially, you know, how long can you expect somebody to walk on a tightrope wire and not make a mistake? And that's kind of what we're doing as a civilization, right? With yeah. Those bombs.
1: And, and with you nuclear know, power too, like Chernobyl could have wiped out all of Europe.
0: But, nu- well, at least nuclear power is getting safer and safer. The, the problem with nuclear power is we've got old reactors. We need to build new reactors. Oh, they're so expensive. That are safer. So still. expensive. Um, so I want to, uh, I got I got my, uh, my musing here today. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm excited um, just, about this. Just to shift gears. So did you know, Kevin, that we live in different universes, you and I? I? I'm
1: 100% aware of that. <laughs> But did you know that that you live in a different universe from everybody else? I'm 100% aware of that. I am the main star of this movie, and everybody else is just an extra. Sure. Um, so, because
0: of two facts about the universe that we live in, the first is that is it is expanding in every direction. I'm also expanding
1: in every direction. <laughs> <laughs> and the Accurate? second...
0: Is that there is a finite speed of light, uh, which is fast, unlike your finite speed, which is
1: quite slow. <laughs> My finite speed is very slow, yes. One <laughs> speed only. I beat you to that one. Yeah. Uh, That's my job that means, in this
0: show. That means that from the spot that I'm standing in, there's a circle around me, which represents the furthest that anything away, that anything in any other part of the universe, ...could possibly affect me... ...could have any effect on me... ...because at the furthest extremes... ...of the expansion of the universe... ...like from me... ...it's expanding faster than the speed of light... ...that means that the light that is... ...over there... ...will never make it to me... ...but if I move... ten feet in either direction... ...that bubble... ...of the, you know... ...what, what would be considered my... ...visible universe moves with me so you know for example we're about a hundred kilometers away so the bubble that I'm in right now you know it's a it's shorter by about a hundred kilometers towards you but it's longer by a hundred kilometers towards me but there is you know significant overlap between our universes Uh, you lost me
1: (laughs) (laughs) if I'm the audience analog I've turned the podcast off (laughs) (laughs) So think of this. Think of the speed of light
0: as the speed of causality. Nothing goes faster than the speed of light. Not what gravity. A shadow. Not light. Well, shadows just also going at the speed of light because it's the absence of light. But space can be expanding faster than the speed of light. That means there's parts of space that we could never get to that could never have any effect on us in any way.
1: So they're totally separated from us. All right. Let's just indulge this crazy theory here. <laughs> All right. So you're saying that the edge of the known un- universe, which is rapidly expanding away from us. Yes. Is a certain distance from you. Let's just say we could mm-hmm. freeze time. And for sure, the edge of the universe is a bajillion, like 96
0: bajillion, million. It's 96 million light years or a billion light years away or something. Okay. Like sure. The edge of my 96 billion universe. light years away.
1: You're yeah. telling me that if you move. 10 feet in your basement, you come that much closer to it, you're still on the earth.
0: Yeah. No, nothing will. Like, it's, it's a thought experiment because nothing actually will affect me from all the way over there. Other than, I guess, like gravity in the faintest way because I think gravity is theoretically everywhere. Um, but yeah, that, that bubble travels around with me. Every one, every particle, everything, every spot in the universe has a visible universe around it. And I can move I can move it around. I can carry it around with me. So when you get a big head, just think about that. That you know, you live in your own universe
1: and you carry it around with you. Fair enough. I, I guess I'll do that. I'm also quite confused. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell by the glazed look on my face where I'm just like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it, but I just okay. There's no like mo- practical No, I like There's the movie no practical analogy.
0: implication to it.
1: No. No. Well, you are your own universe, and I've often said that about you, mm-hmm. that you're off in your uh-huh. own world. Absolutely. So, we're going to be talking
0: about a mystery today. Oh. A, mis- a mystery from history.
1: <laughs> history mystery. Uh,
0: it's, and, but it's not really a character-driven mystery. It's more of a, something happened, and we don't know why. Oh. And we'll, yeah. And that thing that happened was the collapse of the Bronze Age. Particularly, and when people talk about the collapse of the Bronze Age, what they mean is the collapse of the Bronze Age civilizations kind of along the uh, Mediterranean and what we call the Near East or the Middle East. Okay. Uh, so the area that, like, Jordan, Israel, I- Egypt, um, you know, kind of Lebanon, that area now, that's the cradle of civilization. A lot of people call it that. Right. The reason, Yeah, the reason we call it the cradle of civilization because— right around the year 3300 BCE that's uh, going place,
1: way back
0: way back we're talking way like when back. The, we're talking like the, the time the pyramids were built uh, right. we this is the you know the earliest traces of of real civilization that we have um, a place called sumeria figured out how to take 90% copper and 10% tin and melt them together, and you get this thing called bronze. Right. And bronze was a super big deal once they figured out how to make bronze. Um, bronze uh, is a lot stronger than the copper or, or you know stone or whatever they had been using before. It's a lot easier to kind of work with, but it it is, um, you know, as a result, you get better weapons and you get better tools. Right. And better weapons and better tools means better soldiers you're better at both defending yourself but you're also better at going on the offense but it also means much much better crop yields and that becomes important because all of a sudden you know where it used to be that everybody kind of had to work at getting the food situation under control maybe all of a sudden I can have a farm and instead of just being able to feed my family I can feed six other families what do they do they get to go off and they get to kind of specialize in something maybe some guy goes and gets really good at building something or some other guy goes and gets really good at uh, like forging weapons for example maybe some other guy goes and he gets really good at using those weapons etc etc it allows for specializations uh in in you know your average citizenry it's kind of the birth of artisanry uh in a lot of ways so this also uh, allows cities to get very, very big. Uh, whereas before, you know, a city might have been a village of maybe a couple hundred people at the most. Now you have cities of like ten, tens of thousands of people. Uh, which is pretty impressive when you think all the way back then, right?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> for sure.
0: Absolutely. We think of like Egypt right now as like a really, really dry place. But back in the day, the Nile River was very, very good for farming. It was a very, very lush uh, farmland. So, you know, Egypt, for example, they were really good at making food and this, uh, Sumeria place had all this, uh, bronze. So Egypt could trade their food for bronze.
1: Isn't that cool? Isn't that, well, that's what
0: you would do. That's what you would do, but nobody (coughs) had really been doing that before. No. So that's a, that's a really swell thing. It's a novel. idea. It's a really novel idea. Um, but one problem with with doing that sort of thing with having any sort of trade is like let's say me and you you know we're we're going to agree I'm going to give you um three matchsticks and you're going to deliver to me um two goats because I'm what, a really whoa,
1: shrewd whoa. shrewd negotiator. Wait a minute. Hold on. I want at least four <laughs> matchsticks for two goats. Okay. All right, four matchsticks. I'm not an so idiot. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I dutifully, you know, show up with my four matchsticks and you show up and you've got one goat and I go, well, what's the deal, man? We had, we had an agreement. You're like, no, I never said that. I only said I'd bring one goat. So, and you're usually not bringing themselves, usually shipping this stuff, right? So you got to have some sort of system of maybe like solidifying an agreement, some way to kind of set it in stone. So they invite or invent this thing called writing where they can um, you know, write down contracts and stuff.
1: A lot of really cool things happen because we invent bronze. Do you, Do you think that the first thing written was a contract, or do you think it was like a uh, pharaoh was here?
0: No, on, it was like, probably a contract
1: a... for sure. No, money
0: yeah. rules everything <laughs> and always uh. has. Pardon me, but along with trade, um. You also get um, things like foreign policy, because now these different cities have to deal with each other in ways that aren't just, you know, I'm going to go over there and bash you in the head. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, you got that thing and I got this thing. So, you know, we're going to have to kind of be nice to each other and maybe, I don't know, we should do some marriages or or something to kind of solidify bonds. So... All of the writing that comes out of this period that we're talking about is all like government decrees and contracts and stuff because they just didn't they didn't write like the Greeks would later do. So we're not going to have, unfortunately, a lot of characters in this story because people didn't really write about characters. Can we make some up that way? Um,
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we we will get some opportunity.
0: Yeah, we will get some opportunities to name some people down the line here. Okay, that's all I want. Can I name can I name them? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. You will right. have full naming duty. Right. Um, specifically, a trade route starts between Sumeria and Egypt. Like I said, for this food, um, food and gold. Egypt had a lot of gold too, and people have always loved that gold. Yeah, um, it's all
1: about that gold. It's all about that
0: gold. I don't really get the gold thing. So they were trading food and gold for bronze, but along That's the a bad route, trade. Th- yeah, it was good for them because uh, it let them get better at making food and mining gold, right? Because they okay. got all that bronze. Um, all about that so mm-hmm. and then along the way from uh Sumeria to egypt kind of along the coast of the mediterranean they developed all of these like smaller kingdoms that became these like trading middlemen and they kind of grew into like bigger empires um yeah so really what we've got here first development of trade diplomacy contracts the written war um what also happens is uh the really the first formal wars that we ever are aware of happened in this time like period. where there's people, a
1: declaration
0: there's you know yeah there's a declaration and we go over there and like cities are captured territory is captured for what you know we think is really the first time that we're aware at least you know we know it's the first time we're aware of but the first time that people really organized in a way to do this not just like you know, we've been displaced, so we're going to move into this territory. But like, you have stuff, and we want that stuff. We're going to go over there and get that stuff. Right? You know, war is conquest. It was really this is kind of the birth of that. Um, the first empires that we're aware of also come out of this period. Again, because. I've got one city, but I'd be a lot more productive if I had two cities, and then three cities, and four cities, cities you know, and so
1: uh, on. I'm not gonna lie to you; you really are making me want to go play Civilization Six right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, like, yeah, the, the, we're in the very, very early stages of uh, yeah. of, of Civ Six. Oh god, I love Civ Six. Um, this is also uh, uh, where we get the kind of archetype of barbarians from. You know, a place we don't really have our eye on, just coming out of nowhere and, and totally taking over. There's a lot of kind of instances of that. You know, I think there's a tendency, um, everyone who's not who's not
1: you is a barbarian, right? Yeah, fair enough. And I still to this day feel that way. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Like I'm driving along, so. someone pulls it in front of me and I'm like you goddamn barbarian
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh
0: this is when the sacking of Troy happens. Oh, that hurts. So, yeah. 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 Troy, he just,
1: he loves I love making uh, dick punch jokes. Yeah. Uh, Troy, where <laughs> is, like, what is modern day Troy?
0: Uh, Troy, modern day Troy would be in Turkey, I believe. Okay. It would be on the Mediterranean
1: in Turkey. <clears throat> is it Istanbul, which was once Constantinople? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. But maybe. That's a, that's a, know, a hey. very catchy song.
0: That is a very, they might be giants, man. They can write a song,
1: they sure can.
0: Birdhouse in your soul. I love that thing. Um, so what I've just done is condense about 2,000 years of history, uh, into about I don't know 10 minutes of me hammering there. Yeah, that's what we do
1: on this show. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) by the year
0: 1350, I'm just going to give you the state of you know, the known world at this point, okay. large empires are controlling most of the te- territory uh, and the territory that we're talking, like I said, it's like the Mediterranean, Turkey, uh, Lebanon, you know, that kind of around the, the kind of crest of the Mediterranean into Egypt. That's kind and then just a little bit inland from there. That's kind of where everything is. So everything um, was controlled by and like then part of big Greece. players, big that's players. So, crazy. That's
1: so different from today. <laughs> wow very fascinating oh, I indeed
0: i know and uh yeah how the world has changed how the world has changed there's an old line i I don't know who said it but history doesn't repeat but it sure does rhyme uh fair there's gonna be a lot of that kind of here but they are the hittites the mitanni egypt and the mycenaeans the mycenaeans are the proto-greeks so okay. they're the people who go and and take care of uh, Troy which probably would have been part of the Hittite empire at that point Um, the Hittites are kind of north they're the biggest empire the Mitanni are a little bit south from them the Mitanni um, join up with Egypt on one side um, or join up with yeah join up with Egypt and then the Mycenaeans are are over on the islands in, in Greece the Mycenaeans are great sailors that this is what I'm describing now is where things are kind of at their civilizational high point at this time there's a lot of intermarriage that has happened between these groups of people. There's a lot of trade. They trade with each other very, very frequently. When they communicate with each other in the writing that we do have from them, um, they talk of each other in, like, familial tones, like father and son and, you know, brother. That's, you know, they they were obviously very, very, very
1: connected. Okay. Did so, they ever just be like, yo, bro? I need five goats. I'll give you a bronze hammer for it. Absolutely. That's
0: like 90% of what we have written down from them. It's just trade contracts. Hey, bro. And then decrees. What's up, pups? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So just as a short aside here, when I talk about them being a civilizational high point, in our modern life, we tend to really fancy the idea that things only ever go up. As terms of like our level of civilization because we've been on a pretty solid trajectory in the west here for the past oh a thousand years or so really without any major step backs but step backs happen all the time if you look at history right people kind of there used to be an old analogy which was uh wooden shoes on the way up and silk slippers on the way down you know you would uh You'd have to fight and kind of raise the level of your civilization and then you'd get comfortable and some other younger, tougher empire would come and take you down. But even like large scale setbacks of like an entire area um, in terms of a level of, you know, your level of sophistication and technology that happens that happened in the dark ages. Uh, You know, people in Europe used to know how to build aqueducts and then they didn't. Right. You know, when t- when times get tough, people focus on the things that really matter, and we lose stuff like, uh, you know, science and art. And yeah, and you got to like cover that.
1: your your seven s- basics of survival like food, water, shelter, all that. Yeah. I mean, that's three or four, but whatever. There's, yeah. There's more. Uh,
0: dirty magazines. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, some of the thing, I guess, some of the things definitely don't rank when you're looking to survive. Like, I mean, if I had to, uh, if my town were being sacked i would Mm -hmm. grab you know food water clothing something for shelter probably leave the xbox
0: yeah i take the switch instead yeah it's more handheld portable yeah yeah good call so (laughs) tony hawk um right around 1350 egypt has a bad pharaoh
1: I don't know what his name is. Oh, so here's where you come in. <laughs> his his name is Mike. Oh no. Yeah, Mike. Oh, that's that's terrible. Yeah. First of all, it's a bad name for a pharaoh. No, it's not. You couldn't even put like a Z's at the end of it, like Mike or <laughs> how about how, how about Mike C's? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's slander, and I won't have it. Um,
0: well, this this unnamed pharaoh. Uh, becomes a bit weak <laughs> and uh, His name is Mike. Or he, he doesn't become a bit weak. He, he does some kind of bad things. He moves the capital for reasons that aren't really um, important to me. And uh, <laughs> he, he just makes some bad decisions and Egypt gets a little weak uh, as a result. And the Mitanni who are kind of North of them decide that they're going to take some of their territory. Why not? And that stretches them a little thin. Well, Egypt recovers a bit. They kind of start fighting back a bit. And while this is going on, the Hittites, way up north, they're kind of paying attention. And so is this little kingdom that's actually inside of the Mitanni Empire. It's this little kingdom called Assyria, which would have been like a vassal state or something like that. They're looking around and going, well, we could shoot our shot, too. So, like, right at the same time, the Hittites and Assyria, Hittites from, from outside and Assyria from inside, starting a, you know, a kind of rebel, rebellion a revolution, they completely destroy this Mitanni Empire. Uh, they split it in half. Uh, so this, like, f- no, totally not cool. Um, so this, you know, the, the, the dynamics of this world have really changed because all of a sudden the Hittite Empire is huge. Um, there's this Assyrian empire that came out of nowhere and they're going to be around for a very long time. Um, Egypt has now kind of gotten their shit together and rather than fighting with the, um, the, the, Mitanni who don't exist anymore, they're now fighting the Hittites who are now this, you know, kind of big power in the area and they're still occupying some of the territory that used to be Egypt. Uh, the Assyrians also decide that they're going to start fighting the Hittites too, So like this one little, this one bad pharaoh just kind of weakening this one area has had all this huge domino effect that has completely collapsed one of these empires. Now it's not that bad because it's more of just like a power shift, but one of these big players isn't there anymore. Someone who wasn't a big player is, and one of the other big players is now enormous as a result. Uh, They start retaliating probably the first time we've ever seen this with embargoes they start doing trade embargoes so all of a sudden people stop trading with the Hittites trade routes yeah trade routes across the area start kind of breaking down and uh, just another thing there it's worth mentioning that at the time there is a non-zero amount of pestilence and plague uh, happening uh,
1: in the area ooh plague and pestilence mm-hmm.
0: plague pestilence we've had war we've got a lot of the things that we tend to touch on on this show a lot um, of
1: darkness a lot of darkness
0: well here's if you want to talk about darkness here's where the darkness really happens because Ooh. uh, oh, someone is trying to get your attention was that a, no is that a honk
1: Oh, uh, maybe I'm pretty popular So, people drive by and honk at
0: my house a lot. People love
1: you.
0: Um, Within 50 years, the Hittite and Mycenaean empires just completely disappear. They're just gone. Adios, muchachos. Yeah, and there's no real writing. There's a couple messages that they found that were like kind of pleas for help that went out of a couple of Hittite cities. The Mycenaeans are just gone.
1: Um, so they just the like one... disappeared or were taken over or what's the deal here? I want details. Well, the, this I told show is you, this... all about details. <laughs> this
0: is a great thing for this show because there are no details. We don't know. Why not, man? Well, there's so, no writing,
1: but there was writing.
0: I'm confused. So there was two messages that went out, and they talked about these sea peoples.
1: Oh, like mermaids uh-huh. or m- no mermaids?
0: No, no. 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 but a good Okay, but a good opportunity to ask. Um, were there mermaids? You know, it,
1: were you they know, from if, Aquarius? It,
0: no, let me fucking finish here, buddy. God damn
1: it. If, right.
0: if there were mermaids, which is a more horrifying combo? Female bottom and fish top or or female top and fish bottom? Okay,
1: well. If, if you had to do the deed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I can't answer this because <laughs> I. I want both. <laughs> can I have both equally? This is why my fishing license was revoked.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> You're Troy McClure. Um <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they, they talked about these uh, these sea peoples who supposedly came out of nowhere—well, came from the ocean, obviously, because they're sea people—in uh, boats, and supposedly just sacked and destroyed everything. Like, rampaging people just went from city to city, completely destroying it. Were they Vikings? This is—well, they'd be, like, kind of proto-Vikings. Okay. If that's the—you know, if, if that is the—if uh, that is, in fact, what has happened here. Um— and definitely, um, they they definitely much, like, probably were a thing because they have found a lot of evidence of burned cities uh, in this area. But wow. that's not all the evidence that they've found. That's why this is a really interesting kind of mystery because spore and pollen analysis, which apparently is something that they can do um, within that kind of ge- geological timeline, shows that those particular years were very very dry so they were probably dealing with the drought and starvation but drought and starvation aren't usually the sort of things that totally you know collapse like the whole civilizational structure in the large area right right so there was also geological evidence of something called get ready for this okay an earth an earthquake storm
1: what an yeah. earthquake storm, an earthquake storm that is which so is,
0: badass. I know, as, which is apparently some some, the way it was described in um, uh, one of the videos that I that I watched to do my very thin veneer of research, uh, <laughs> described as like an earthquake kind of starts at the top of the plate and then it kind of moves its way down, and as it kind of moves its way down, the earthquakes get more and more powerful. And apparently, they found some cities that suggest that they were more collapsed than, than raided. So they found evidence of of
1: both. So it really. could have it could have been like, um, instead of just being sacked, they were basically destroyed by an earthquake.
0: Could have been, because apparently, in, even in some cases, they found bodies under walls, which is usually what you find when walls fall on people and crush them.
1: Yeah, than- that's fascinating. I, I would love to, like, experience an earthquake. I think it would be cool. <laughs> that's a weird segue. I'm not... I, I, it's one of those natural you, phenomenons. I love I'm not, the feeling of being crushed by a wall. I, I wall, don't know, everything like... Everything shakes around me. Maybe people... Well, I mean, I would just probably go outside, I think. I would go outside and just be like, yeah, just let it let it rock. Just ride it I'm out. I'm not overly earthquakes. I think they're over pretty quick. Yeah, like, I feel like it's... I mean, if you've been through an earthquake, I'm sorry, and I'm sure it was horrifying. I think it would be mm-hmm. kind of fun,
0: especially if you went through the big one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sure our many of our listener has.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and and on. I'm honestly like, if you've been through it and it sucked, I'm super sorry, but I just I think it would be kind of cool to feel the ground like shake like that. That would be kind of neat. We've had one or yeah. two around here. I just never noticed it.
0: Yeah. So the old system uh, that they had going there. Uh, was a lot like the system that we have now, right? Where we've got this whole wo- globalized world full of interconnected trade and just-on-time delivery, and, you know, we don't make all of the stuff that we need to have here. Do you think we they had an Amazon back then?
1: They didn't, well. Do you think they called, I mean, it, the they, Ni- they, they called it Nile? Nylazon? I don't know. Nylazon. I don't know. That's a terrible joke because the Amazon's just a
0: place. It's not AMA. Uh, but yeah, so they, they had kind of a similar thing going and one theory that's a little terrifying is that they experienced something called systems collapse where like shipping crisis, kinda, uh, where one, one element of this interconnected society, you know, it could have been all these wars they were having, could have been famine, could have been earthquakes, could have been a number of these things kind of destabilizes the whole ship and, uh, you know, the whole thing just collapses uh, uh, under its own weight. Maybe these sea people, you know, rather than being... Yeah, the mermans. um, Rather than being, you know, people from, from way over, you know, thither, maybe they're actually closer to hither. Maybe they were... Maybe that's, you know, more of like a revolution or, you know, people who were starving you know going on a rampage or something than uh you know an act of pillaging or or something like that
1: well it's funny like they say um you speak about supply chain and all that stuff and and people who are serving doing desperate things you know the average grocery store for the population it serves if it's not restocked it's about three days away from chaos
0: right well there's a you know, there's an old adage that Revolution's only ever three missed meals away.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of weird times. I don't know if I mentioned this on my last podcast or if I just told you, but I recently purchased a, a new laptop, a MacBook. Yeah. And, and I was going to go for the Pro, the MacBook Pro. I was going to spend the money, you know? Yeah. I, I went into Best Buy and I was like, hey, I'll take this one. And he's like, yeah, we're sold out. Well, I was like, what about your store in London? Yeah, they're sold out there too. Well, how long till you order it? Well, we don't know. So there was like a table with like 10 computers. I'm like, well, which one's available? He's like, uh, this one and that one. We have one of those and two of these. I was <laughs> like, so you're telling me all these computers here are just for display? He's like, yeah, there's nothing. We're waiting for Apple to make them. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, I'll take, that poor I'll retail. Take, I'll take that one. Yeah, poor retail employee probably had that discussion 17 times that day. Well, it's just crazy because, you know, it it used to be that you could just go in and... Put up a sign! Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, guys, come on, like, not available, not available, that would have been fine. But anyhow, it's just weird to think that in this day and age, we're we're starting to hit up against these shortages, which is kind of surprising, And, and, you know, you start seeing stuff in the grocery stores even where... You know, it started with the toilet paper.
0: Oh, when that was going on, it, you know, it was like Soviet Russia going into the uh, going into the grocery store and seeing completely, not just oh, empty parts of aisles,
1: just totally empty aisles. I've never seen anything like it. At the start of the pandemic, uh, I was coming home from working out of town and I stopped at a, a grocery store and I bought a lot of canned goods and there was a limit on them. But I bought a can of Spam, which I've never eaten and spam, I wrote on spam, it in marker. Spam, this spam, is the COVID nineteen spam. 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 <laughs> this is the final meal before we eat the pets. <laughs> this is uh, the,
0: I think okay. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was about to say this is the emergency spam, but I think every piece of spam is probably emergency. It's
1: hundred percent emergency. <laughs> I started calling the cat and dog emergency turkey, ter- uh, Christmas turkey and Christmas ham, just because <laughs> I one's thought which? <laughs> well. Penny was the turkey. Okay. And uh Coos was the ham. I bet Penny would be pretty gamey. Oh man, totally peppery. It would it <laughs> be, it would be like it would be like eating a dirty dumpster nacho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could ne- I can never eat my pets. That would be pure desperation. I'm glad to hear it, Kevin. I would eat you before I eat the pets. I would donner party. My best I'm friend. I'm less glad to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at least well marbled, so if I went first, you would eat well. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. anyhow, we've we've anyhow. gone off on a tangent here. I mean, we sure I've have gone, gone, off, gone on off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, shipping crisis, not good. Shipping hungry crisis, people, no desperate things. Hung-
0: hungry people doing desperate things. The truth is, we just don't know what happened. There was so little writing about this t- p- time period. Uh, even when things were good, there was no flavor stuff. It was always, it, you know, Dan Carlin has this whole thing about history and color and history and black and white. And, you know, your your color history is like your, your Greek writers who wrote about people and you really got a sense of like what they were thinking, what their motivations were, what these factors that were acting on them were. But then you get this really black and white history from this day and age that's very, you know, there's no details. It's just, you know, decrees and contracts and... There's no, there's no, real writing about specific people. Like there are examples of it, but it's just so few and far between. Right. Uh, yeah.
1: You wouldn't no think big, to like, capture the minutia of life back then. Like now, we have all these blogs where people are writing about all their whatever. Right. I mean, going back, if you can pull this stuff up a thousand years from now, is going to be a clear, really view, enlightening, really yeah. enlightening of what our daily lives were like where you didn't hey, have that.
0: Yeah, you know what's an interesting an interesting example of that? In terms of like, you know, there's a history of, of even just having ideas, right? One of the ideas that people didn't have for a long time is that, oh, people forget things or people don't know what things look like way in the future. So if we don't write them down now, you know, this knowledge might not make it, just pass down. One of the things that we don't, as a modern society, really know what it looked like is ancient warfare. Like, we've got all sorts of ideas of what it might have looked like, but really, when you had two massive groups of people running into each other, what happened? Did they just stop in front of each other and have, like, the front line is just fighting other people on the front line, and they're, like, shoving each other into them? Did they stop short of that, and was there battles going on like between these armies uh like in this kind of middle ground did they kind of run through each other and did everybody kind of square up like we don't know it's like brave yeah we don't know because nobody wrote about it nobody wrote about what the actual mechanics of battle looked like because to them it was probably so self-evident but two thousand years later we have no idea
1: i, I think the test would be to just, like, get a bunch of volunteers with, like, uh, some nerf swords and stuff. I just see, <laughs> see what just, happens Just see what happens naturally, yeah. Like, be like, just have them run at each I mean, you don't have the fear of death, I suppose, but... This has
0: gone into a full-fledged tangent, but there's, there's um, you know, stuff coming out of uh, the World Wars. Almost nobody got bayoneted in the World Wars. People refused to do it. Uh, people just didn't, people didn't want to be the e, and people did not want to be the bayonet-er either. They would usually find some way of not having that happen.
1: Really? Because I think there's a lot of horrible ways that people would die in close quarters that I feel like the bayonet would be the least. But
0: people didn't like to do it in those close quarters. We've kind of lost that ability to inflict violence um, in close quarters like that you know once the guns invented and you don't have to all of a sudden when you do and you ha- you don't have like an institutional memory of doing this for you know thousands of years before that
1: it's I a suppose. much more
0: repellent idea when you've been doing it from far away
1: yeah it's it's yeah. uh <clears throat> like that old story here's another tangent where the the british soldier um after the one battle saw hitler and they were like up close with each other and he just let him go yeah man what a mistake that was <laughs> Yeah. If Oof. only you could know. There's,
0: al- there's, there's also statistics, um, you know, in the First World War, there's an alarming percentage of the soldiers never fired their gun once.
1: I believe that. And then by Vietnam, yeah. it was like almost like the, the the training had become much more adept at turning people yeah. into killers. And then it yeah, became an issue of out. turning them off when they came back. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, eh? Mm-hmm. We have to do so a anyways, history of warfare episode.
0: Uh, I I know I, I I love the wars, but man, they are uh, they're bummers. Like all of history is a bummer. The, I, what's have the We had side one of happy
1: like... episode, except for the the molasses incident. <laughs> and even, and even, even then, that, somebody like, died. A Twenty lot of people died at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, so history is just a, a great big bummer. From yeah. it's it's never you know it's never been good and it's never gonna
1: get good. No, I don't think so. I feel like the '80s so, was the only good historical thing. Like a lot of good things happened there, you know. In we the '80s, '80s and '90s. There was a lot of peace in the '80s and '90s. Not universal, um, but like I feel really? like the '80s was a hope generation. Oh boy, I don't know. Like maybe it's just anecdotal, but like I just feel like you know they had the Berlin Wall come down in the early '90s, and then uh-huh. like the the end of the the Cold War and.
0: Uh huh. The Iraq War and well, Kosovo
1: and Bosnia. And... Well, I mean, those were like, <laughs> I mean, wasn't the didn't the Falklands happen? Wasn't that the <laughs> eighties? The it's fine. I take it back. <laughs> fine. All of history is a fucking nightmare. Yep. Are you happy now? You've ruined kind my of? one shining decade. Kind of. There must have been like one decade in history where they're like, yeah, hey, you know what? We got a good thing going. Oh, there's times like the um, the first two centuries, um, like
0: you know, from like 100 to from like 60 to 100 AD or 200 AD in Rome is known as like a golden time of civilization. If you were there and living in that city, you had things better than almost anybody else. Even right at the end of the Bronze Age, people in that era had things really, really good. It must have been absolutely stunning to go from a civilizational high to go in like 50 years to where every major city you can think of has been destroyed. You know, the one thing I, I forgot to mention is even the empires that made it out of this period, they were really weakened. Um, Assyria never really recovered. Egypt never was, was never as powerful as they were at that time. That was the, the high point for them. It was just a continuous decline after that.
1: And we have no idea, like maybe earthquakes, maybe mermaids, maybe all of it. Right? right, we don't know. Weird, That's so wild.
0: Yeah, you'd think when something that massive happens.
1: Yeah, there'd be at least some kind of lore passed down, right?
0: Right. If if the U.S. and uh, and Britain just got wiped off the map in fifty years, we would certainly know how it happened.
1: You would think. You would think. You would hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. are you going to take us home? Oh, so that's it,
0: huh? That's it Yeah that's the we don't whole
1: know. shebang, is it? We don't know.
0: Uh, I guess the one other thing I would add is, you know the, the obviously the Iron Age follows the Bronze Age. you know, there's that 3 stage uh, you got the Stone Age, the, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age. This sets civilization back so far. Do you know when the Iron Age like really kicks off? So this uh... the, everything comes crumbling down here 1150 BC. Okay. How long do you think it is until we hit like an iron age where
1: things are starting to really pick back up? Uh, I'm going to say we're in the 80s.
0: No, 80s. No, 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 god, no, no. No, It's like 300 years until things pick back up. That's a long time, man. That's a long time, right? That's several generations. Yeah. That's the entire history of the U.S. fits inside this period where things are um, just
1: kind of dark and.
0: Yeah, and we just, we don't even know what was going on because nobody, like, people just didn't, s- people stopped writing stuff down because what the hell are you going to write down? I'm starving. I'm starving. Was, was there I'm any, starving. like,
1: art, artwork that survived from then?
0: Oh, yeah, pots, a lot of pottery. Tons. Absolutely tons. Uh, and even, like, the, and that's another thing is the sophistication of the pottery went way down. Okay. Uh, that's another reason, you know, way we can see that, like, just the level of civilization just got reset.
1: Um, interesting that you say that is I was having a toss up between two closing facts from my research for the fact schmacks game. Okay. So this is a good segue to one of those facts. So you actually get a bonus Kev's closing fact today. Um, did you know that detecting cesium 137 and I, am pretty sure it's thorium is used as a relatively reliable, method of detecting art fraud because those two elements did not exist prior to the detonation and the breaking of the atom so until until we blew up the bombs and split the atom there was no season there was no season half-life is so short i don't know half-life is short enough that I don't know what um, the half-life is for it. I feel like cesium is actually will be a lot shorter than four billion years, right? Well, yeah, but I feel like it's pretty long still. I'm gonna, I'm going to do an episode one day where we talk about uh, nuclear, some nuclear stuff because I, it fascinates me. Oh yeah, I'm totally down. Um, fascinates me. I have a half decent understanding of it. Like we should coordinate layman's. it
0: because. I want to do an episode on Al Einstein. So like those two things are very, you know,
1: yeah, he, uh, related. Oh God, we could, all right, let's save it for the show. I don't want to go <laughs> on another <laughs> tangent here at the end. Yeah. All right. So Kev's closing fact here. Now that all our technical difficulties, um, are past, um, for the listeners, we've had some internet outages. Um, but anyhow, Kev's closing fact today. So, uh, in my research um, to do the uh, Fact Max game, I came across something kind of neat, and it's a bit of a mystery, which kind of ties into our whole mystery episode here. Very, oh. very Scooby-Doo and shaggy, too. I love a mystery. I love a good mystery. Uh, so in the over 2,000-plus nuclear test detonations, only one has an unknown nationality. No nation has taken credit for detonation of a three-kiloton bomb in the Indian Ocean in 1979. This is called the, real. <laughs> this is called <laughs> the Vela incident, and it looks like I think it was like September. I think I think the date I read was September 22nd, 1979. They detected yeah. um, all the telltale signs of a nuclear explosion, with nobody taking credit of it for it yeah a small chain of islands i think is it's the indian ocean it's, of,
0: it's uh north of uh australia right
1: the indian ocean or of, this place this place i think it's have of you of heard of it the, yeah oh interesting yeah like everyone thinks it was israel well i mean that's kind of the
0: obvious or south uh israel or south africa or both okay yeah there is a i think there's a both possibility but i'm a little rusty on my villa incident
1: uh I ha- lore here I had no idea that this had happened, so I found it kind of fascinating. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, Kev's Closing Fact for today. Well, all righty. All right. Well, this has been a real adventure. (laughs) It's been a blast. And we'll (laughs) see you guys next week. Have a good one. Absolutely. Bye.